everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher, and I'm here in freezing D.C., where the government is back up and running for the moment. And this is Scott Galloway coming to you from the polar vortex of Delray Beach, Florida, where it is 65 degrees. It's unbearable, Kara. You know what? Stop. It's unbearable. Don't, don't, because people in the Midwest are dying. Don't make, no, 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 no. The White Walkers are coming. Not allowed. I just wrote... Okay, I just rode a scooter here to get here on time. I rode very stop fast. That. I was leaving the house fast, and I you got to stop the my scooter face thing, froze. Kara. It was lovely, it really did. I love the scooter thing. That's just I wear nuts. a helmet; it's good. You're going to slip and break a hip. People our age shouldn't be on scooters. <laughs> we shouldn't be on scooters. <laughs> you should be That's home enough. watching murder. Speak for she yourself. Wrote. I'm very Not fit. On a scooter. No, I am very fit. I'm very fit. I do Soul Cycle. I had a lovely Soul Cycle yesterday. It was great. I'm in very good you shape. You know what I did this morning? I did CrossFit. Oh, did you? Do you like that stuff? All the internet people love that stuff. Well, you know how you can tell if someone does CrossFit. How? They tell you. Damage. They tell you. Head. It's total sickness. Oh, they tell you. That's right. It's like going to Harvard. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's All right. right. No, good I to went know. to school in Boston. All right, we got lots of stories this week. We have so many stories this yeah. week. There are so many. Let's start, like, I know we have to get to Facebook again, yeah. once again. Yeah. We had Apple beginning the week by doing something that was not good, by having, a, it wasn't a bug, it was a mistake in in, in the um, FaceTime, which caused, allowed people to listen in, yeah. so a privacy snafu, right? And then they didn't tell, tell about it for a week. They, they did, but they did talk about it. They did uh, f- turn it off. They did all the things you're supposed to do and then admitted it. It just took them a long time. Um, and they're right in the middle of that, also announcing pretty, you know, earnings that people were not thrilled with. And then Facebook is at it again. And this time they were caught paying teenagers to collect their data on an app. And app, and they, in, in doing so, even though they got consent of teenagers, I don't know how that works to start with, they, they violated Apple's very strict terms of service on the kind of certificate they it's called an enterprise certificate i'm not going to go into it. it's technical but it's they they were they were using it in a consumer facing way um so so apple you know shut them down and including internal apps that facebook uses on the on their on their staff's iphones uh you know like i want to a parking app or a cafeteria i don't know what apps they're using but there's a whole bunch of internal apps uh, that these companies use and now facebook isn't allowed to use them and so apple pulled all their rights to do that which was so let's, let's making apple sort of the regulator of facebook yeah, so what do you think about let's this let's unpack both of those so the first one was the apple bug where on facebook you got to listen to the conversation before people actually answer the phone facetime I'm sorry, FaceTime. Excuse me. Thank you. And, Not Facebook. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's actually kind of a little bit of a nothing burger. And the, and the only thing I take away from it is that there's kind of a universal karmic response that when you go on an indignance tour about privacy, you're going you're gonna to start violating people's privacy. It's just – it's sort of yeah. – yeah. when, when they kind of had it coming. I don't think it's a big deal. I think they fixed it. I don't – I really, I think it makes for an interesting headline, but I don't. I think it's a, it's, it's a big nothing. They act it. appropriately when it happens. Yeah, they, I mean, they some shut people are mad about that battery thing. Done next. The the thing, the fight right. between, I mean, the other stuff. The I actually think Facebook, what they Facebook didn't, as you know, neither of us, I think, are big huge fans of Facebook. This, companies do this all the time, and I and it was about ten percent of the people were teenagers or under the age of eighteen. They did get parental consent. What's, right, research. What's more interesting— No, it's not clear they got parental consent. Oh, I it's thought that they, totally they've, they've shown that they, they, that parents did were, in fact, contacted and that there was a consent flow was the term they used. I love the terms that Facebook puts out. Yeah. But it's not—I don't, I don't yeah, think it's anything research. that they're doing other basic companies research. do every day. I don't—, I don't no, no, they all do them. And Facebook does a lot of it, obviously. They want a lot of data. But what, so what, they all do. Google does them. Every, what you have is—and what's interesting is that— 
So the analogy I would use is, is in the 80s and 90s, if you were black and sold white people marijuana, you got stuck in jail. And then you, when you got out, you were mm. on probation, and anything including having pornography on your computer was reason to put you back in jail. And that's where Facebook is. Facebook is on probation. Nobody believes them. Everything they do that is slightly questionable, everybody assumes is really malicious and covert and awful. And this this management team has absolutely no credibility, and everybody always assumes the worst. And I don't think it's going to end yeah, until well, they But breaking the, the TOS is not should we care that they do that? Because Apple has slapped other companies and, in fact, had slapped Facebook before for, a, for an app they had called Innovo, which was a data-collecting app. Um, that they had bought many years ago. Come and I remember on. when they did it, I'm like, oh, they're trying to collect data on lots of different app usage. That's what they're doing this, it for. So this is the worst celebrity death match. This is Ali Frazier turned hall monitor passport <laughs> between Zuckerberg and Tim Cook. This is personal. There's <laughs> so nothing here except two people who hate each other and they're going after each other and all being indignant. It's not, so what? It's, it, I don't think it's a big story. I think this, the backstory here is that Zuck and Tim Cook hate each other, and they're now fighting in public. Yeah. Yeah, 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 which they have been doing. I got Tim to say those things about Mark on my interview yep. with him this March and March, and Apple, I mean, Facebook slapped back about it being indignant. Apple for being an indignant, and it just goes on. They, but they, they, I think it still is getting to that. There was a really good um, thing uh, that I tweeted. It was a, a thing of what they did, and when others do it, Apple hits back harder. And most people feel that Apple didn't hit back hard enough. Others feel like, wow, this was really sort of screwing up their internal systems. was a was a nice little dig. Um, but it's very clear Apple's always been super strict in its app store, and for Facebook to do a go around because they didn't like the rules just seems like. I don't know. They can't not like the rules. They shouldn't operate on the platform. They can go over and use. So I um, think Facebook, I think you know, the more interesting the story, Google Tara, and, and this wasn't in our notes, but I think the most underreported mm-hmm. story in tech right now and the bigger deal that no one's talking mm-hmm. about is Facebook's integration of their back end among WhatsApp, Instagram, and the core platform, Facebook. Yes, 100%. Please go on. Well, Please well, keep going. Okay, so I would like to give Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg broader reach and a more robust platform said no person ever. And that's what's going on here. <laughs> we have these giant dials. It's like, if you think about Einstein, I love the Einstein quote. They said, how will the Third World War be fought? With what weapons? And he said, I don't know, but I know the Fourth World War, World war will be fought with sticks and stones. And I'm beginning to believe that the Third mm-hmm. World War is going to be fought with likes and retweets. That we have figured out a way mm-hmm. to create these giant dials that if you put a hand on it, you can create rage from one community to another. And I think that Russians have been able to get their hands on these dials and are literally breaking us apart in these Western democracies. And I know that sounds mm-hmm. paranoid, but just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean I'm wrong. What we've done here right. is we've allowed, we've decided to let Facebook create bigger, bigger dials. And I know that some politicians listen to the show. The most important move, I think, long-term for the health of com- the Commonwealth right now would be for either Senators Bennett or Warner or someone from the FTC to basically fire a shot across Facebook's bow and say, look, if you integrate these three things, be careful. We can still break your ass up. And what what they're clearly doing is they're trying to create what I would call a Siamese triplets defense. And they're they're going to be able to say, look, if you break us up, if you try Mm. and separate us, the whole thing's going to die. And the notion that they're going to have Right. This is the reason Kevin Systrom left. He saw this. Hundred percent, and also the guys, and the guys at WhatsApp, yeah. the guys who knew what was yeah, going on, were disturbed yep. by this. 
and yeah. yet nobody's talking about yeah. it. Right. That is a very fair point. But this was something they're going to do. They want, you know, the, the main Facebook business is so lagging among young people and others that they have to sort of bring them together. Um, the, I think it's a bloated, the bl- big blue app is bloated, essentially. And so they're trying to be dynamic in other parts, but control it all from a centralized thing. Now, if you're Mark Zuckerberg, this is precisely what you would do, right? I mean, what else do you have to do? You'd, you'd get consent from teenagers and you would do this because you need as much data as possible. Even though today they turned in, or last night they turned in amazing results. Unbelievable. Because there's nowhere else to go. But we've been saying this despite yeah. all the headlines. When is that? When is that over? When is that? Despite over? all the headlines, yeah, we're saying it doesn't matter. I, I, I don't doing. think it is over. Look, in the 80s and 90s, tobacco companies were killing half a million people a year, and they were fantastic stocks to own. And that's what we have here. We have mm-hmm. a fantastic stock. This company is massively undervalued, even as we speak today, with it up 13 percent today. There is absolutely no evidence of the deceleration in the business because it's a duopoly and because these. I mean, these tools on Facebook, if you ever want, I think all marketing classes should force their kids to go on Facebook and use their ad tools just to see how incredibly robust and powerful this platform is. And if you look at their numbers yesterday, I mean, this company literally, from a business standpoint, is a juggernaut. And we'd like to think that all this bad behavior translates to a reduction in their power in the business community? 100% not. This is tobacco in the 80s and 90s, killing people and growing earnings massively. Well, there you have it. <laughs> it, it was, I, I didn't think it would. Someone asked me before, earlier this week, I was on stage, how do you think they're going to do? I said, great. Yeah, I said, 100%. I said, you know, analysts and stock market, they, they own the digital advertising market with Google. And so why wouldn't they be? It doesn't matter. Any of this. I think eventually it does matter, though, in the end, is how, how products get less and less interesting. And if they embarrass uh, people who advertise there, that's really where... But so far, they haven't embarrassed them. We'll see if they can continue to do so. Um, and you're right, but their trust is way down. And I don't think that's a great place to be. You know, Microsoft. It start, that's how it started for Microsoft. I don't know. So People I overestimate the power of trust. Before. Everybody at DLD was talking about trust. I think the majority of the mm-hmm. products we use and love, we don't trust the companies. I don't think it matters. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Speaking of uh, what people like, someone and people having a lot of feels, we'll finish up with Howard Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks. Very tech-savvy guy. Yeah. I've, I've known him for many years. He says he's running for president, and there have been a lot of feels. Let's play a clip from the event that he spoke at that kind of sums up the whole thing. Well, let's begin with what I said on national TV last night so I can frame the answer. Uh, What I said last night is that I am seriously considering running for president as a centrist independent. And I wanted to clarify the word independent, which I view uh, merely as a designation on the ballot. Don't help elect Trump, you egotistical billionaire on Twitter. Go back to Davos with the other billionaire elite who think they know how to run the world. That's not what democracy means. Okay. Someone doesn't like Howard Schultz. And there was a fantastic column in the Washington Post where, you know, there's going to be a latte trouble um, with this guy. And there was there was tons and tons of pr- trouble brewing. Everyone wants to venti and stuff like that. There's tons of coffee uh, jokes right, right, you can right. make. He's running, he's running for president in venti venti 2020. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's, that's my good, coffee joke. Good, Better, you good. know what, Kara? You know what, what we, you I think, think we should do? do we should do what Gary Vee does and have, have a camera follow follow us around all the time, although you and I, I think, yes. have been together in the same room twice. Yes. But I'm thinking you and I go into 
a Starbucks and start handing out cups to the employees saying, what the fuck is your boss thinking? Yeah, he's not their boss. You know how they had those the cups? Former, like, the boss is Kevin race. Johnson from Microsoft. But yes, the, he was. He was. He, he made it into oh, a yeah. big thing. What do you think of this? He's, he's running against the Democrats, which is fascinating because he's all mad about taxes and Andrea Ocasio has gotten under his skin in some fashion. And so w- what do you think? What do you think about this? I know him pretty well. Look, Ross Perot, Ross Perot and Ralph Nader both handed the presidency to uh, Ross Perot gave it to Clinton and Ralph Nader gave it to to Bush. And that's what independents do. They're spoilers. Mm -hmm. And so the notion that he's going to create some great centrist movement, I mean, it's very idealistic and it's unrealistic. And the guy kind of summed it up perfectly. Look, you billionaire asshole, you're going to reelect Trump. I mean, that's yeah, that's a pretty heavy dose of truth. I think yeah. it, it's too bad. My sense of him is he's a very thoughtful, civic-minded guy. I think he's a principled guy. I think he do, could do a tremendous amount of good. I think what he should do is what Sheldon Adelson does, and have this agora in Seattle and basically hand out a couple hundred million bucks to the people he likes and promote his 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 values, and then go be ambassador to Britain or something. Yeah. But running as a independent, it's just terrible. Yeah. He doesn't give away a lot of money. Um, he, uh, he He's very thoughtful. You're right. He, he's written me several thoughtful emails about what he wanted to do. And so, I don't know. It's interesting. You're right. You don't want him to be the, the spoiler here in a, in a situation, given that there's 412 Democrats running for office, including Bloomberg, who's moved sort of over to the Democratic Party. Anyway, it's going to be fascinating to watch uh, as we move forward. Uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we'll be talking about wins and fails and all the other people who got ratioed this week. And I have to give congratulations to Scott for another fantastic prediction. Okay, we're back to our show. Uh, Scott, uh, wins, uh, we're going to go to wins and fails. We're going to go to predictions at the end because uh, you are clairvoyant again. But, uh, but obviously, Nancy Pelosi and the people going back to work um, was a big win for Nancy Pelosi and the workers. Uh, what, thoughts? You're right. Huge win for her. I think a lot of people doubted her leadership. She had, you know, there was some noise about her not being the best Speaker of the House, and she's been outstanding. I mean, she's really kind of, you know, say my name, Nancy Pelosi. This is the Heisenberg of, I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad, but she's Mm -hmm. just an incredible, she's shown incredible leadership. And if you're a Democrat, you were really excited to kind of see her basically just you know, body slam the president. If you go in the middle of the country and the rest of the country, it's not about political victories. It's about the fact that the greatest democracy and experiment in the history of mankind was shut down. And I don't think it's any accident that Russian bombers are trolling our coast or that Venezuelan uh, politics are being infiltrated by foreign entities because I think uh, people are bumping us now. I think they see us as weak. Mm-hmm. I think when the government shuts down, it reflects weakness to the rest of the world. So I think it's generally, which is bad for America. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And it also, when when there's, when even the Republicans are arguing with each other, which they are today about to Syria and all kinds of things about shutting down the good. Do you, do, we're going to get to your prediction in a minute, but they, you know, the, the fighting now between Trump and the entire Congress, which is interesting. I'm not so sure the problems are that fight, fighting with him, but they're at least pushing back on certain things. Um, he yelled at his spy, his spy chiefs this week because they disagreed with him on the facts. Um, he's, his were made up. Theirs were actual from from actual doing work. Uh, so it's going to be. It should be a yeah. very interesting couple of months, I think, going forward, especially in the next few weeks when they have to decide on this immigration stuff, which doesn't look like it's going anywhere fast. Pretty much. Um, are there wins and fails, Scott? Yeah, Anything else? 
So I always feel, for me, you're like me living in San Francisco. Again, I'm a progressive, but living in San Francisco is enough to turn me you know, into almost a conservative because I just got... So I always like to bring up a win that you would never in a million years say as a win. Right. I was on Fox on Tuesday. Again. And I was in the you green the room Fox. with Chris Christie. Who were you on? Were you on Yeah, my- it, I... I, I I, oh, you know, I was on Stuart Varney. I love Stuart All Varney. All right, okay. Yes, I, I went Varney. Okay, a yeah, gentleman okay. and a scholar. And okay. I like Varney. I really like Neil Cavuto, too. Right, but yeah, anyways, nice. uh, I, I'm equal opportunity. I, I'm, you know, uh, I'm a I'm a total media whore. I'll pretty much go I, anywhere I they understand. ask me. So, we all understand that, Scott. Anyways, I was in the room with uh, Chris Christie, and I actually think Chris Christie, his media tour around his book, I think he's... I think it's been a win for him. I think he comes across as smart. I don't like his politics, but I do think he comes across as smart and a straight shooter. And I don't think his career is over. What I don't understand is how naive he was that he thought he was going to get a job in administration where he put a family member's father in jail. I mean, was he really shocked he didn't get a job? I know. Uh, that kind of people have a tendency not to forget when you put their dads in jail, which he did to uh, Jared. Yeah. But and I then he, he doubled down him. on it, too. He's him. like, that was the most disgusting prosecution. I was glad I did it. Like, he's not even backing off that in a lot of yeah, he's not. He's not. Yeah, he's not apologizing. But if you've, I, have you seen any of the media interviews he's done over yeah, the last Yeah, he's good. He's, he's always very he's, – he's a smart man, although, you know, and I don't, I don't love his he denials is. of what happened in uh, wherever the heck when he was stopping up the traffic on the bridge. Bridgegate? Yeah, Bridgegate. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a liar about that. I think not all his people did it. I don't – I think he – Anyways, my win, yeah. Governor Christie. Okay. All right. Your I, win. Uh, my win is is historian Rutger Bregman, uh, who called out the billionaires at Davos for not talking about tax avoidance. And he got a back and they him and uh, Winnie Bayanima uh, from Oxfam had a, uh, a back and forth with someone I know very well, the CF, former CFO of Yahoo, uh, Ken Goldman, about it. Let's listen to uh, Mr. Bregman talk about this. The answer is very simple. Just stop talking about philanthropy. Mm. And start talking about Texas, mm-hmm. Texas, Texas. We need to. Mm-hmm. I mean, just two days ago, there was a billionaire in here. Uh, what's his name? Michael Dell, and uh, he asked the question like, "Name me one country where a top marginal tax rate of seventy percent has actually worked." Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm a historian. The United States. That's where it has actually worked in the 1950s during <laughs> Republican President Eisenhower. You know, the war veteran. The top marginal tax rate in the U.S. was 91 percent mm-hmm. for people like Michael Dell. You know, the top estate tax for people like Michael Dell was more than 70%. I mean, this is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk for a very long time about all these stupid <laughs> philanthropy schemes. We can invite Bono once more. But come on, it's, we got to be talking about Texas. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Texas, Texas, Texas. All the rest is bullshit, in, in my opinion. Thank you. So here he is uh, making the, the salient point that we had it in this country for years. This is this is not, um, and he, yeah. he, I love we can talk for a very long time about all these stupid philanthropy schemes. We can invite Bono once more. That was my favorite. Yeah. What do you think of this? He's he's he, taxes, taxes, taxes. You don't like taxes, I'm guessing. Well, it's it's uh, complexity favors the wealthy, and our tax system slowly but surely, whether it's capital gains on stocks, one the top one percent on fifty percent of the stocks, so capital gains. Uh, tax deduction is nothing but a transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich. Even I would argue mortgage tax, mortgage interest tax deduction is nothing but a transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich because who, who owns homes? Old rich people who rents, young middle class people. So our tax system slowly but surely has been nothing but an elegant transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich. I would love somebody to do an analysis. I believe the 
the most valuable company in the world and the wealthiest man in the world, Amazon and Jeff Bezos respectively, have not only not paid any tax, but I believe they've been subsidized by the government. I think when New York gives $3 billion in subsidies to Amazon as a function of this incredibly deft gamification of the Commonwealth with Bezos owning 16% of the company, effectively the government has written a check to Jeff Bezos personally for $500 million. And if you look at what Bezos has likely done with his wealth, he never sells shares, so he never incurs a tax liability. He just borrows against his shares from J.P. Morgan at probably a 2% interest rate and keeps rolling, but never actually pays taxes. And then he'll put all his wealth into trust and it'll be transferred without taxes. So he's basically building a dynasty that's been subsidized by taxpayers. The wealthiest Mm -hmm. man in the world, the most valuable company in the world, not paying any taxes. Yeah, but we can invite Bono once more. That's what we can do. I, th- I, I, there you go. I think this does resonate with a lot or of people. Or someone from Brazil who paints with their feet. Yeah. you got to find someone who paints <laughs> yeah. with their feet. Um, you know, I think it does resonate in this election. I think this topic is going to be a bit, what do we do about the rich kind of thing. I think it's not an attack. It's really interesting because the Silicon Valley people all of a sudden are like, rah, taxes. Like, it's really fascinating because uh, I think they're sort of in the know yeah. that they're not really paying their fair share and how it ruins innovation. And you'll, they'll, 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 they'll trot out everything else. But it's a really interesting thing that it's being discussed as much as it is. I don't know if it'll go anywhere because it's, it's not just Bregman. It's Ocasio and others, the marginal tax rate. And we'll see if it goes anywhere. It will certainly affect tech given how much money they all have. Um, so it'll be interesting where different tech people come down on this issue um, and and what taxes they're willing to pay or what's willing to go through. So it should be an ongoing – it's going to be an ongoing story. And some people will think of it as an attack, a, a, a class – war kind of thing. I, I'm not so sure that's the case. I think this, sure. a lot of people are laying out very good arguments for what's going on. But we'll see if that matters. And if, who, But it's what, what's interesting about it, it's a nuanced argument because you know who gets really screwed, Kara, who? is uh, what I would refer to as the workhorses. And that is people who earn, call it between 100 or 150 grand in a million dollars a year in current income. If you live in New York or California, you're paying an effective tax rate of between 48 and 52 percent. Mm-hmm. So the kind of what you call the, the wealthy current income workhorses, the partners in law firms, the entrepreneurs, but the people who don't pay their fair share are the people who get the majority of their income through capital gains, mm-hmm. the, basically the investors and kind of the capital owners. But the people who do get, who do, who do I think pay an unfair share uh, to, the, to the high end are who a lot of people would deem as wealthy, the workhorses. So I think it's a nuanced argument, but we should have it. I think the Democrats are screwing up by proposing, even using the term 70%, that we should go back to a super tax. I don't think that's a winner. I don't think that, whether it's right or wrong, it's not a winnable argument. And you can can see the ads from the Republicans now. Yeah, they can twist it because that's yeah. what they do for a living. They'll just put the number 70 on the screen and go, okay, your choice. Is this yeah. what you want? You want yeah. 70% tax rates. All right. We're going to get to predictions now where you get to run out. We're not going to even talk about Roger Stone's back tattoo of Richard Nixon. I just didn't want to go there at all, that guy. I just want him in jail. That's, that's pretty gangster, though. That uh, causes you know some conversation. Oh, he's such a weird I'm sorry. He needs to just a go Nixon away. tattoo. He needs to move I think along. that's actually pretty. That's pretty cool. He that's needs to go wherever Cato Kalin's gone. That's where he needs to go. Anyway, um, all right, <laughs> Scott. You, someone on Twitter called you clairvoyant with your predictions. But last week, I predicted I'd never buy a new car. And later that day, it was announced that Apple laid off uh, 200 employees in their project Titan division, which is working on autonomous cars. Um, so cars are over. I get a little credit for predictions. No, I actually don't. I think there's going to be autonomous cars, and I'm going to be in them. But you were uh, you were predicting uh, that that the 
that the government would reopen. Now I need some more predictions about the national emergency, et cetera, et cetera. So go for it. Let's hear your predictions on this. And ex- and you can take a run around, like a big cheering run around uh, the whatever you run around when you cheer. You're so jealous of the big dog's prediction. Mm-hmm. I just have one word. <laughs> you call yourself Wolf. a big dog? Come on. Who called it? Who okay, called fine. it, Kara? Friday morning, we said, you the and Great I said Dane that the was right, was but go ahead. Okay. Friday afternoon, they announced it. Um, mm-hmm. So my predictions are pretty boring. I made a prediction earlier in the year, or, no, or late last year, that Facebook would be an outstanding stock to own. And I think this is a company that is going to going to just rock it up in the next three months. Be clear, bad for the bad for our democracy, bad for the planet. But mm-hmm. this is this stock and this company have a supernova business model. I think it's up 13% today. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just it's just getting started and it's dangerous to make stock predictions. But so I won't make a stock prediction, but I think the the underlying business results of Facebook are just incredible. Amazon reports Amazon comes out tonight. Look for Amazon Media Group to all of a sudden be the third player in the Facebook-Google duopoly. Right, with advertising. It's now the fastest-growing media company in the world, over a billion dollars. Advertising, yeah, that's true. All right, so that's your prediction. All right, Uh, anything else about the next government shutdown? Do you want to, like, go there? Is there going to be one? Uh, it won't happen, Kara. There's won't. no way. There's no way either party wants to go there again because I think if if, well, they, if, they, if we went to another shutdown, people would just move to okay, let's vote them all out. Yeah. And the one thing that scares all of them is the notion of not being reelected. So no, the government won't be. Shut so down. what about the national emergency? Are they going to declare it? Uh, you know what? I, I I don't have a viewpoint. What's your view? I don't know. He'll probably try to declare it, and then he'll go to—it'll never happen. You know what I mean? Like, the lawyers will go to a town, and it'll go on, and then either it's not going to be an office or he's not going to ha- control either the House or the Senate. Something like that. I think he's hes kind of—he's you, you know, never getting that wall. In, and Mexico's definitely not paying In for terms it. of negotiating, yeah. what is it, Sun Tzu? In terms of negotiating, you don't want to—unless you give your, your competitor absolutely no out. If you give them no out, you, what you're basically saying, I'm going to slaughter you. And yeah. I think the Democrats and Pelosi have won— and I think for them to give a little bit, whatever that yeah. little bit might look like, such that the Republicans and specifically POTUS can sort of declare victory or yeah, at least can. not be he's totally not shamed. Five. He's, they're never going to give him the five. They'll give him some drones, a bunch of people. They'll give him something. Yeah, but he's gonna, he wants that wall. He's obsessed with the wall. Something. He's got Ann Coulter on his back, you know, yelling at him about the, that. So and he seems to respond to whatever Talk about seems. where Cato Kalin goes. Why, did, <laughs> why do we even use the word Ann Coulter? Like what qualifies her for us to care? Because she has the, you know, I was at a dinner party and someone said this and someone else correctly said because the president listens to her and he happens to be the president of the United States. So there you have it. You know. What do you think is going to happen with the national emergency? I think he's going to try to declare it. I do. He likes the idea of it. think he's going to declare it? He's like, it's a little Mussolini move and he'll do it and then he'll go nowhere. I think eventually he'll end up indicted somehow. (laughs) I just do. Just all, he's a sloppy criminal. So I don't know. That's where I see it. Yeah, Just, the Southern you, District. Except he's a sloppy one. Like, I think about all these other—you just eventually you run out of tricks. Well, when everyone around you has an ankle and, and you know an, an, an ankle monitor, it's not a good sign. Yeah. But have you seen—you Have you, you have two teenage sons. Yeah. Have you seen Honey Badger Just Don't Care, that video about Honey yeah, Badgers? Yeah, of course, yeah. Honey Badger Don't Care. Honey Badger Don't Give a Shit. It just takes what it wants. Whenever it's hungry, it just— 
Okay, so I think the new honey badger is the Southern District. I just don't think they care. I think they're going after the yeah. guy. It's like Southern District. He's the president. This is these aren't hard crimes. It's like Southern District just don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They are coming for him. They don't care. Yeah, I think yeah. that. I think we're going to hear that those two words, Southern District, a lot over the next. Yeah, it'll be interesting months. to see what happens with his tax, tax, they, his taxes when they come when they finally reveal them, which I think eventually will will out itself. But we'll see. We'll see. He's always also shown himself to like get out of things, get out of, of jams. So we'll see. We'll see if he can keep getting out. I think you eventually do not get out of jams, um, no matter how much. You know how he gets reelected, Tara? How? How? Well, this is uh, this. Uh, this should be another lose. I think the the politically correct police that went after Tom Brokaw. Uh-huh. For his comments, yeah. which I thought were wrong, but okay. I thought the other journalists on Meet the Press handled it really well and basically okay. said, no, you're wrong. You know, mm-hmm. He had said I, essentially I, sorry, that yeah. the Latino community needed to have a conversation around assimilating better, which was a wrong, which is just mm-hmm. factually wrong. Mm-hmm. But the level, the, the, the level of hate that came out against him on Twitter— Forcing him to apologize. I feel as if we're at a point where people are so sick of this indignance on both sides that the way Donald Trump gets elected is he says he basically runs on a campaign of like, you know, screw you, Snowflake. Yeah. And I think we have Mm -hmm. to be better about about being a little bit more generous with people and saying, okay, let's have the conversation. And you might be wrong. Mm. But the the just the response uh, again. I, we talked about this last week with some of the stuff that yeah. between you and Fox. This gotcha culture really yeah. hurts. Uh, I think uh, it except hurts. He started our it. That's the, the thing Democratic is he started. I do think people are my all my Trumpy relatives. I'm going to see some Trumpy people this weekend. Uh, they are tired of him. It's like the show. I watched that show for years. I'm, again, I'm the only person who's watched every episode of The Apprentice. Uh, and I got tired of it after a while. I think the show gets boring and it gets ridiculous. And it, it, the stuff that you liked about it gets tiresome. I think tiresome ratings is going to take him down. That's what's going to happen. People are sick of it. And I know I can see my Trumpy relatives already being like, oh, shut up. Kind of stuff. So that's what I think. That, that's they're I think fed up. They're sick they're, of it. They're not just, it's just like, oh, shut the hell up. Like, that's exactly what they're, they're like. They don't want to hear it. They don't even want to defend it saying, oh, it's just him. They're just like, oh, God, stop talking and go away. I think that's that's one of the things that I think. And if the Democrats have a, a And who is Kara Swisher? Hmm? Who is Kara Swisher supporting for president or who do you like out of the gates? Did you see, by the way, did you see Kamala Harris's talk? Kamala Harris, Oakland? yeah. I like her. I thought she did a great job. I thought she was great on the CNN thing. I think she's gotten very appealing. I've interviewed yeah, her many really times. Strong. And I thought she's she's yeah. improved drastically in her interview style, I have to say, because she was a little flat when I interviewed her. Um, so I think she's, uh, if she's, she plays it right. She's she's uh, very appealing in lots of ways. Well, so who do you like? Her. Who does like Kara Swisher like? I like Kamala Harris. Really? I do. I do, I do. Yeah. I like, uh, I like all the women. I like um, Amy Klobuchar. I, I, I have hopes for her. We'll see. One of them. One yeah, of the you've always been a fan of Senator Klobuchar. I think it is time to elect a lady. Uh, I just, I know I don't like no. Beto, as you know. I'm not a Beto fan. You don't like Beto. Stop it. Stop How it. How can you not like Beto? Because he's a man-child. Oh, he's outstanding. To be. No, he's not. He's not. Oh, my he's God. Women are, don't agree. Well, no, not women. A lot of women like him. What am I talking about? Anyway, we will go on to this. You, I don't me, like and Beto at South no. by Southwest, Ugh, we would no, slay it. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. A little Tex-Mex. 
He's like every boyfriend that made me a lesbian. I don't know what else to say. He's just like the every, boyfriend. Every boyfriend that made you a lesbian? <laughs> yes, oh, this exactly. is getting better. Can we go another half No, we hour? can't. No, we're stopping. Okay, Scott, let's oh, see. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> let's, I'm looking forward That's to seeing awesome. what next week brings. Uh, Rebecca Sinanis produces his show. Nishat Kurwa is Vox Media's executive producer of audio. Thanks also to Eric Johnson. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week with more of a breakdown of all things tech and business and whatever screwed up thing Facebook manages to pull in the, in the next seven days. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Bye, Scott. I'll see you soon. Stay warm, Kara. 